Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at Eastern Illinois University. My name is Dr. Michael Gillespie. I am the director of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center. This podcast series is to further promote teaching excellence through the sharing of information related to instructional design, teaching strategies, and innovation. And in this episode, I am speaking with Dr. April Jackson, who is the director of Student Disability Services here at EIU. Specifically, we are talking about universal design for learning strategies and uh, accommodations in our teaching and in our classrooms, and she's going to be here to talk to us about um, some student perspectives, how students experience uh, things in our courses, and give us some tips and ideas on how we can better uh, be accommodating, uh, not just to the students who she serves in her office, but who we all serve uh, in our classes, as well as those other students too. That's universal design for learning principles, where we can make simple changes uh, across modalities to serve all of our students and help them in their learning. So without further ado, I want to welcome Dr. April Jackson and on to our interview. So we are talking about uh, universal design uh, for living, for living, for learning, <laughs> for whichever, yeah. living and learning. There it's you all go. good. Um, so, so my first question for you, uh, April is, or Dr. Jackson, right? Yeah. Um, is what is universal design for learning and why is it important? In a nutshell, in a universal, nutshell. universal design for learning is being um, flexible and having options for not only how you relay information, but how you allow students to share what they've learned and different ways of engaging them in material. So possibly instead of lecture, lecture with visuals or um, maybe lecture and a PowerPoint and maybe tangibles, depending on the subject matter, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, not every subject matter lends itself to, not every lecture lends itself to three or four modalities, but right. at least having two. Right. Multiple modalities, yeah. right? Yeah. Two. Two. Good. So, so why is that important for our learners? Because no one learns the same way. Because no Even, one learns the same way, right? We forget that as adults. Once we're adults and we're invested in what it is we're doing, we mm -hmm. tend to forget that we don't even like to see or hear the same thing the same way over and over again. Right, right. So, so you're the director of student disability services. As I introduced you in the in the intro, um, and you hear from a lot of students. You talk to a lot of students. So, what are some struggles that you hear from students about um, maybe accessibility or being able to use uh, materials or even just experiences in their courses? We have a lot of students that, even though they have specific accommodations. Um, maybe those specific accommodations aren't encapsulating every single struggle they have depending on the class. Mm -hmm. So we could have a student that has a specific learning disability that only relates to reading. That said, mm -hmm. reading encompasses across subject matters. So it's not just an English class that they need supports in. So it's possible that um, having, having PDFs in D2L, sometimes well-meaning, instructors, adults, myself, all of us may think, oh, it's a PDF, it's accessible, or run it through OCR, the software, now mm -hmm. it's accessible. Not always. Right. So sometimes we're using stuff directly from a book that doesn't just automatically um, become accessible through software. Sometimes we're using something that has highlighting mm -hmm. or things written in the margins. All of those things inhibit the 
ability to make it accessible. Okay. And it requires quite a bit of editing after the fact. Mm -hmm. And so students will maybe mention that and then it becomes this, why? Or I did that. And doing it once, the, I don't want to say the right way, but the the cleanest way, doing it once the cleanest way, keeps that from going back and forth sure. but students will come in and they'll be like I'm scared to say anything else because they were irritated with me or I could tell they were bothered and I don't want to draw any more attention to myself right so then they just struggle till they either don't do well or they drop the class or different levels of sure. struggling sure sure and you I think you touched on something there about the um, sometimes students who need accommodations or might just need the extra special support or extra extra help um, sometimes feel like they can't ask for that within the classroom environment, maybe to their instructor, their faculty member, and that's where they can come to your office, correct? Right. right. So they come to me. I try to, I try to help them with just on my own mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. If it's something where I just really don't understand, then I reach out to faculty. Um, I am also a mother, so I'm also sure. well aware of the whole I tried and it didn't work kind mm-hmm. of situation, and I know that I don't always get the whole story. So I do try really hard to say it's their perception that this, this, or this is happening. Sure. Can you help me fill in the blanks? Because I know that students you know, may or may not have really tried everything they were told or may or may not have gone to the professor at all. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm trying to be a liaison between a help to the student, but also understand that students sometimes are playing both sides too. Sure, right? <laughs> happens. <laughs> it happens. Um, students encounter your office in a couple of different ways, right? Sometimes they'll come in with some kind of plan like an IEP or a 504 that they had from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they'll have an experience in a class and maybe come in and get evaluated from your office. Are there other ways that you encounter students who... They actually can't be evaluated Okay. through my office. So um, if there's an instructor that has a concern, they'll reach out okay. or they'll send students to me. And um, depending on what the struggle is, I have a list of... Ref- places I can refer them. Mm -hmm. Um, That really stinks if it's a neurological situation because the wait list can be anywhere from eight months to two years, depending on what their struggles are. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's something um, attention related, sometimes a medical doctor will help with that. And that's a lot less of a wait. Um, Less and less medical doctors are doing that though. Sure. If it's something where they can get supports from our counseling clinic or our health clinic, then they'll go there. But for an actual formal diagnosis, if they don't come in with one and it's not mental health related, it is very difficult for students to get supports. Okay. Um, We also sometimes see with English as a second language, Mm -hmm. that comes up a lot. Okay. And having English as your second language is not a disability. Right. Now, there are times when, very outlier times, where it's a situation where someone's been displaced because of literally a natural disaster, things like that, and they've gotten here and they haven't had the correct supports through K-12, then I can kind of swoop in and help temporarily Mm -hmm. until they can find out what's really going on. But that's few and far between and a real exception. Yeah, it'd be hard to to get that information. Yeah, Yeah, definitely hard to get that information. So we talked, you know, about a little bit about how they encounter your service. Um, Are there specific things that oftentimes if students or faculty members um, refer students to you that you're hearing maybe more often than others um, to get support for students? Probably the most common support is extended time on tests. Okay. 
Um, note taking okay. is a real big one. And I'll be very honest, it's very difficult for instructors and for students mm -hmm. because we are at the mercy of volunteers. Right. So if there is no volunteer, then we are at an impasse. I am working on doing something third party um, contractual through a app. Um, but you know, it takes yeah. funding. So I'm, I'm working on it. We, sure. We'll see how far I get. But um, I do understand that, it, I mean, that's tough for instructors too because they can ask, but mm -hmm. if no one says yes. But if we're using universal design for learning, then go. ironically, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the lecture notes could be posted. Um, notes from previous classes could be posted, not just for quote unquote my students, but for all students. Right. And then that's an accommodation taken care of naturally just right. by the nature of how the class is set up. Right. Right. And so you anticipated a question that I had. And oh, so we sorry. Could, no, it's good. No, this is good. This is uh, this is how the conversation should go. But, you know, there's if there's some common things that you're hearing that students need help with or faculty members are saying my students need help with this and it's things like notes, right? right. Um, there are things that we can do as faculty to to sort of um, anticipate that and, and plan for at the beginning of a semester that can just alleviate some of that extra work that we do during the middle of the semester, like having to find referrals to student disability services and those sorts of things. Yes, so along that same line, um, captioning videos. Correct. Um, yeah. If we just made sure that the videos that we post are captioned to begin with, mm -hmm. then you don't have to panic because I find out at the last minute that a student's decided to take a class that I didn't know about and now right. I'm telling you about it. Right. And by the way, they need caption videos. Right. Um, I can't do any, I can't require a student with a disability to tell me before anyone else that they're going to take a class. And sometimes they don't know. It depends right. on what their schedule shakes out to be. Right. So that, that's usually a, a contentious sure. um, accommodation because sure. I get calls and panicked instructors 24 hours notice because someone just picked up their class and then they've gotten this thing from me and I didn't know either. So, right. Right. but if we just make sure that we're captioning things to begin with, it won't, mm -hmm. won't be a problem. Right. Right. And there's, in the faculty development and innovation center, we do a lot of course reviews and we get to um, look at instructors courses who come to us and ask for help, regardless of modality, because we're using our LMS now in face to face courses, obviously in online courses and hybrid courses. And we see that you know, there's some common materials that are always posted. There's PDFs, there's videos, there's Word documents, Excel documents, PowerPoint slides, um, which are the most common. Um, but also some of that can be the most fruitful if they are just made accessible for everybody, right, under right. universal design. Can you talk about just the importance of having those learning materials uh, underneath the, the UDL framework just be accessible? Truthfully, the, I can always tell when a student has taken a lot of classes where UDL has been utilized because they might be a junior and come to me for the very first time for accommodations because okay. they suddenly have a class where either the font is really small on the PowerPoints mm -hmm. or um, lecture notes aren't posted. And mm -hmm. these are things that they had utilized in K-12, but didn't it didn't come up before because right. they were just there naturally. So they didn't they didn't need me. Um, timed test is another thing. And I know that's not necessarily something that's posted all the time, but that that stinking timer, you know, right. you have a student that doesn't necessarily need extended time, doesn't necessarily need alternate setting, but just that timer popping up sends this huge amount of anxiety through their sure. body. And maybe that hasn't happened until this one class at this one time. And they log on to take a test and a timer pops up. Right. Um, 
so everything we've talked about so far, maybe maybe font size. I, I'm trying to think of different times where I, the students come to me very late in their time here, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, what's going on now? Right. And it's just not not using the resources that it could naturally be put into place to right. start with. And someone has, or people have, several people have up until this point. And now they're coming to me and they need note taker and they need um, sometimes even to record a lecture. Sure. Whereas before, maybe their lectures were recorded mm-hmm. um, because, or maybe they um, had access. Um, unlocked materials mm-hmm. that I, that might fall under this kind of. Yeah. Um, I try very, very hard never to, I never should say the word never, but never to give um, extended time on assignments. Right. I feel like where are you going to go get a job where mm-hmm. you don't have to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And by the nature of a university, you're either Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or you're Tuesday, Thursday. Look, there's a built-in extension of one day. Right. So um, when it comes into play and kind of bite me for not doing it is whenever um, syllabus aren't dated, the mm-hmm. dates aren't da- the assignments aren't dated, or they're misdated, or um, materials are locked. Because what I always say is, if you know that you have a bad day or you know that during a certain time of the year you really struggle, mm-hmm. be proactive on those times you're not. Right. Proactively work ahead, proactively read ahead, proactively do what you can do. And then they come back to me and they're like, I can't, it's locked. Ah. Sometimes I understand, sometimes I, you know, I understand you don't want, people don't want to move too far ahead and lose track of what the discussion is and things like mm-hmm. that. But whenever possible, right. being able to just utilize naturally, just sure. we want them to be proactive. We sure. want them to be advocating, but mm-hmm. not looking for an excuse not to get stuff done yeah. on time either. Yeah. So I try to, in the accommodations, I try to make sure they don't have an excuse to not get it done. Right. But then whenever they come back to me and they're like, everything's locked down or this right. or that. And then I check, I make them log in too before I, before I make a call or anything. And I have them log in to their D2L with me present. And I double check and sure yeah. enough, that's the case. Yeah, often. sure, sure. I, you know, this is something that we're, that we talk about a lot in the center um, with my staff is that, you know, we're moving a lot towards more electronic um, textbooks, like e-textbooks yes. or open um, access types of materials and away from the paper-based books, which is great for progress, right? Innovation, and we should be using that, but we forget that when you go rent your book from textbook rental, you have the whole book for the whole semester from day one. Yeah. But if you're locking things down or you're only um, allowing for a certain number of chapters for what you're what you're doing, then you don't have that same access to the, to the materials. And we don't even think about this, right? Mm-hmm. But even having that perspective about just don't lock down the, the chapters that you want them to read uh, can make a world of difference so that at least students can read ahead or mm-hmm. look at some materials ahead of time too. So I think that that's a, a, just a great point I mean, from a faculty perspective, but also from uh, a development perspective that to think through from that student's point of view about how they're going to access those materials in your course. That is the number one accommodation that's requested of mm-hmm. me is extensions on assignments. Sure. And I don't think I have ever approved it outside of a medication change on the spot Mm -hmm. student being very very ill at this time and um research says it just digs a hole that keeps getting deeper right so i try Mm -hmm. to i try to explain that and i try to explain you know maturity and job and things like that so i just um I just hope that faculty realize that me asking them not to lock it down is because I'm trying to be helpful and not giving a blanket two-week right. extension on assignments. Right. And, um, sure. Which, 
sure can be mm-hmm. a lot yeah it can be a lot and it, you know it digs a hole for the students it digs a hole sometimes for the faculty members yeah, all too that grading and, later right because then you're grading who has everything on time plus mm-hmm. everyone who didn't and then right. following checking up on late work right. it's, it's a lot all of a sudden you have five different due dates that yes. you're managing for your students instead of just that one where the due date was important and, and set there at the beginning yeah. so it's almost like helping ourselves as faculty members to make some of these universal design um, techniques and principles at the beginning we're helping ourselves as well a little bit yeah i do need to say the caveat to that is yes. though always do more just not less sure so exception you have a fantastic student is there all the time works hard does what they're supposed to do a grandparent passes away and right. they they need to go to a funeral and they're going to miss something giving them grace mm-hmm. for an assignment absolutely right. independent decision they don't have to come and see me for that i have had students come in and say my instructor says they'll do it but you have to write the letter that's a slippery slope right, right. so having that autonomy and having that relationship with your student and providing grace when you feel comfortable of course is much different than me giving a blanket you need to give extensions right. for two weeks. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm not saying don't ever do it. I'm not saying don't ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But. So we, um, we talked through, through some of the materials. We talked um, a little bit about some of these principles. Um, have you heard from faculty members about their struggles trying to, to, to meet these goals or make these accommodations for students and what some of their concerns are? I, I have, and honestly, most of the time it is a misrepresentation of what the accommodation is okay or misunderstanding i should say so either a student has gone in and said i'm working with disability services i'm supposed to get xyz Mm -hmm. and then instead of just referring back to what was sent then they panic and they're like oh my gosh you know i want to do what's right and they'll call and i'm like that's not exactly what you're supposed to do it's what you're supposed to do is just this. Right. Um, and again, you can always do more, just not less than right. on the letter. So um, I I do get some confusion with our testing accommodation center. Mm-hmm. Um, it is on our website. It is under what faculty need to know. It, it But it is really necessary. I, I have a 900-hour person to run the whole testing center. Yeah. So um, it is an electronic process, and we do need a 48-hour notice of a test, um, and we do need the range. Um, mm-hmm. That said, because if we have a student who has a class at 9 and the test is at 9, but has another class at 11, but they have time and a half, they're not going to be able to miss the other class. So we do right. need to be able to give them alternative times. We never give them more than... 24, 48 hours at the most past the test. Right. I understand the concern with that and getting answers and things like that. We try very hard. We make them prove their schedule or we look and ban ourselves. We make sure that no one's just trying to sure. be sneaky. But in order for us to be able to have the center, um, mm-hmm. my person works based on the request as they come in. Right. So I do, I often get last minute um, requests or emails or a student walking in with their own test right. and I don't have anyone there because I didn't know. So um, just really mm-hmm. looking at our website, what under what faculty need to know and following yeah. that Great. would really help us both because then we hunt the student down, we do the emailing, mm-hmm. we do the calling. I've gone to residence halls doors and knocked on the door and said this is your final chance, get here or you're not going to be able to take it. And I, I would like to think that's a help. Right. <laughs> so as long yeah. as we know that we need to be doing it, we yeah. will do it. But we right. just 
need some notice. That's, you know, and we'll put the, the website address into the notes for the show too, so that when people listen to it, they, they'll have the information there and, and the links will be right into the show notes for it too. So, so they're able to do that. And when we put the information out about the, the episode, it'll all be there as well. Typically speaking, the phone calls I get are faculty just wanting to do everything right and trying right. to dot the I's and cross the T's, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that very much. Right. A lot of times they're just misinformed. Sure. Part of this, the reason that we decided to do this for um, the podcast episode, and we're actually going to do some series of smaller episodes after this um, with our instructional designer, Kim Irvin, um, is because we hear more and more about um, instructors wanting to to kind of go above and beyond and, and, and do this, but also just having questions about what else should I be doing to make sure that my materials are accessible or what other things can I can I accomplish so that um, these, you know, I can meet the student needs, but just you know, all of the students as well. So it was, you know, it was a good reason to, uh, behind this to, to do this. And we do a lot of training um, through the center. Uh, for example, we know that our our Kaltura video system automatically will caption things. Um, if you set that setting, it integrates right into D2L with the captions, uh, and so all your videos can just be seamless, right? Put in, um, but it's getting the information out about that, right? And, right. and letting them do that. Same thing with how you can make uh, your PDFs accessible or use the accessibility checker in Microsoft Word. Um, so if you had the opportunity now to, to you know, maybe give a tip or two uh, to faculty about what types of things that they can do um, who are eager to want to sort of meet this, what are some things that you would, you would tell them? I would say take advantage of everything that, that you offer through the trainings mm-hmm. because truthfully it's all there. Mm-hmm. It is all there. So everything from the captioning, the videos, um, uploading notes, uploading. Um, if, if you're sharing it anyway, mm-hmm. share it again. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're sharing it through lecture, maybe video yourself and upload a video of yourself doing it. Or mm-hmm. even if you don't want to do the camera part, just upload your, your um, audio. And then you're covering so many bases, not just for students who have disclosed, but right. students who are secretly struggling. Right. Because we have a lot of students who, for whatever reason, they had a bad experience in K-12. Mm-hmm. Um, their parents said, no, you're done with that. Whatever the reason, they don't disclose. Mm-hmm. And um, doing that, it's not, it's not taking away from the integrity of the course at all. It's just doing different modalities right. like we talked about. Right. And it's going to support so many students. Right. Um, so to the degree in which you're comfortable sharing your information, think of how many different ways you can share it mm-hmm. and do that. Of course. Um, I think the things that we've talked about already are the, are the biggest ones. We really, extended time on tests, we take care of that. So right. if, you just, if you just follow the TAC link, mm-hmm. um, Testing Combination Center link, the notes and um, the captioning are really the biggest things I mm-hmm. can think of. Okay. Um, I don't really. Oh, the locked, locked assignments. Yeah. Um, because that is my that is my default. My default is instead of extensions on assignments, let's be proactive and right. ask that you have access to assignments in advance. Sure. So you, some people do get letters, and that letter would trigger them to unlock things. Right. But if you just have it unlocked to begin with, then mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about going through and searching for that student and that name, and then unlocking just that information. Right. right. Very good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. There was. One other, one other thing I wanted to ask about, because uh, um, like I said, we do a lot of course reviews and things for online courses, but also um, face-to-face courses and hybrid modalities. And someone actually asked me about this because a lot of times now you'll see, even in you know, your Twitter feed or uh, in, in different programs, that alt text or the ALT on pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Can you speak a little bit about that and perhaps why it's important that when we're designing materials to pay attention to those things? Well, <laughs> very good example. Um, I actually have a student who um, is visually impaired mm-hmm. and a um, plethora of courses that are chosen are graphic design and graphic novels. Okay. And um, we could we can run PDFs of those until we're blue in the face and it's not going to do a thing. Okay. So um, the, it's again, it's just another proactive mm-hmm. way of being sure that the entire picture uh-huh, is shared. Right. So it's it's just as important mm-hmm. as captioning of anything would be, and um, a lot can be missed if right. you if you don't. It's yeah. just, I, mean, right. I mean, it just seems. Um, and I and I get it if you don't live it, if you don't mm-hmm. work with it constantly. I I get how that could be an oversight. Right. But um, it's just one more proactive. You don't have to go back later. Um, students aren't going to complain later because oh, it wasn't my fault. Right. It wasn't done. It's just another. Sure. I want to say quick and easy. I know mm-hmm. it doesn't seem quick and easy whenever you have multiples, but doing it once, then it is quick and easy then after. It's done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea behind the alt text is, so if someone has a documented visual disability, right, and needs to use a screen reader, for example, mm-hmm. it'll go through and it'll actually read the text on there. So if they can't see the picture, it will describe what that picture exactly. is in the context of the text that is in that document or that PowerPoint or whatever it is. Um, that it's reading so it gives them the information that anybody who doesn't have that visual accommodation can actually see with their own eyes right, right. literally so and especially when we get into figurative right i mean because a, a picture is worth a thousand words but it also does depend on the context right because a picture in one context with the reading is way different so they could be getting the words mm-hmm. but without that um description of the picture right they could still be missing a lot right Right. So marrying those together sure. is key. Yeah, I think you put it really well. It's just like another way of making sure your stuff is captioned. Yes. You know, when we read, um, you know, a textbook, for example, there's always a caption underneath the pictures. Right. But when you do it online, that caption's gone. So you want to have that text in there so that that your screen reader or however the students getting that material can actually access every single piece of that. Um, so I think that's great. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's such an important piece too that we don't even think about. I teach statistics, have a lot of visuals obviously, <laughs> and I'm always like coming up with ways to have better alt text for this you know little drawing that I did or something yeah. after I posted online. So you just think things through, you know, right. uh, especially from that learner's perspective. I think is important as well. Um, well, uh, that's my list of things. Is there anything else that you? wanted to add that maybe I, I didn't ask about or things that you feel compelled or want to say to let us know about maybe universal design, your office, our students who use your services? I think that, um, well, I have stuff to say about all that, but, <laughs> but I think every time I, every time I have an opportunity to speak at all, the first message I want to be heard is collaboration. Mm-hmm. I, I am not here to make anyone's life more difficult. I, I am here student disability services yes student is in the name of of my office and what i do but i want to support faculty any way i can if there's something i haven't thought of or if there's something that just really doesn't make sense then let's talk about it let's try to figure it out let's then we'll know better for the next time right um it's never nothing is ever intended as a gotcha or a negative it's just Mm -hmm. a help me help you so we can help them um my students that are here some are going to be great and some aren't going to be great. But guess what? So is 
every other student on campus. Right. Sounds like a so, college student to me. Right, exactly. So I think that is really important too. Just because they have a letter from my office doesn't mean they're automatically going to be great or mm-hmm. not great. It mm-hmm. just means that they're another student. Right. They got here the same way as students without a letter from my office got here. Right. So um, I, I just really want it to be a great experience for everybody involved and not ever be, oh gosh, here's something from disability services again. And quite honestly, the more universal design is put into place, the less you will hear from me altogether. Right, right. And so then we can maybe just do coffee and fun stuff. Yeah, right. Well, I want to thank you uh, so much, Dr. April Jackson, the Director of Student Disability Services, uh, for joining us on the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you. I would like to thank Dr. April Jackson once again for joining us on the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center. I have been your host for this episode, Dr. Michael Gillespie, the director of the FDIC. And as we sign off, I just keep thinking to myself uh, about this interview and what we learned uh, from Dr. Jackson about simple things that we can do to not just make the experiences for our students in our classes better. These these UDL principles, these universal design uh, for learning principles, uh, making tweaks to uh, the materials that we post in our LMS or how we present materials in our courses or even just small tweaks uh, in what we do that can serve our students better. But also with the thought that when we make those changes up front, when we do those little things to better serve our students, we're really better serving ourselves as well, both as instructors and faculty, but also down the road throughout the semester and into future semesters. Uh, We are making the accommodations for ourselves as well. So until next time, thank you for listening to the FDIP, and we will talk to you soon.